thanks for pressing play. What percentage of the total value created in any given market category goes to the leader? That was a question that we had several years ago, and we thought there would be research about that. Because, of course, many people have studied market share, that is to say, what percentage of spending in a given market category goes to the leader. And so we thought that same data, that same research would have been done on value as measured by the market caps and and or valuations for private companies. And so we were trying to figure out if you take all the companies in a given category, you add up their value, what percentage goes to the leader? Well, when we were writing Play Bigger, we couldn't find that data, so we had to create it. And the number has been an extraordinary insight. It turns out that the company that wins the category earns 76% of the total value created in the space as measured by market cap and or valuation. And uh, that insight was so compelling, we actually published it in the Harvard Business Review. Now, on this episode, let's dig into... How do you be that person? How do you be that company that earns that 76%? Or said in another way, what are the different ways that category designers, the people who create and dominate new market categories, think and become the one who earns that 76%? Now, what you're about to hear is taken from our top five business mini book newsletter called Category Pirates. And Category Pirates is, uh, we like to think of it as a nonfiction business writing band. You see, most nonfiction is written by one person and sometimes two people, sometimes three. Even in the case of Play Bigger, it was a collaboration amongst four. Um, But here's what's different about Category Pirates. Eddie Yoon, Nicholas Cole, and myself are a band. That is to say, we write together every week. And we've created, as hard as it is to believe, (laughs) 12 number one bestsellers together. Anyway, it is really fun being in a um, writing band. And one of the things we hope to uh, inspire in the creative world, in the creator world, in the writer world, is uh, more bands. Because in music, you have solo artists, you have duos, and you have bands. But not so much in nonfiction writing. So to claim your free week of Category Pirates, go to categorypirates.substack.com. That's categorypirates.substack.com. Now, as Joey Ramone said, hey ho, let's go. This is Lockheed Marketing, the podcast that helps you develop the lens for what makes legendary marketing legendary. Hosted by Christopher Lockhead, three-time CMO, godfather of category design, and a high school dropout, who the Marketing Journal calls one of the best minds in marketing, and The Economist calls off-putting to some. How to think like a category designer. Well, the first thing is to change the world, you have to uh, reject the premise A big insight here is everything is the way that it is because somebody changed the way that it was. And a category designer is a person who changes the way that it was. Dear friend, subscriber, and category pirate, this category design tip is about thinking about thinking. Our job as pirates is to help make smart people like you understand the context of what it is you're looking at and thinking about. 
Because in order to change the world and unlock exponential breakthroughs, you have to, as we say in category design, reject the premise. You see, category design is a game of thinking. Thinking about thinking is the most important kind of thinking, especially for category designers. As a category designer, you're responsible for changing the way a reader, customer, consumer, or user thinks. And you are successful when you've moved their thinking from an old way to the new and different way that you are educating them about. But what is thinking? Now, a little while back, we had a legendary management thinker. Some people say he's the number one management thinker in the world, Roger Martin, on an episode of uh, our dialogue podcast, Follow Your Different. It's episode 273, if you want to get into it. And um, what Roger says thinking is, is when you look at the world through an existing model, it's how you use learnings from the past to make sense of the present. So, for example, when another driver cuts you off on the highway and you instantly apply your past experiences to the present and swerve to avoid an accident. In that situation, your reflex saves your life. But almost all thinking today is what Roger calls reflexive, like a reflex, rather than reflective. Consider the difference as we laid it out in our um, Category Pirates mini book called The Art of Fresh Thinking. Reflexive thinking, having an unconscious reflex in response to ideas or opinions, versus reflective thinking, taking a moment to consciously reflect on the past and how it may have created a pre-existing mental model for you, keeping you and or your colleagues from considering a new and different future. Reflexive thinking causes a scarcity of fresh thinking in the world because it relies on mental scaffolding built in the past. Some of the smartest people stopped reflective thinking a long time ago. We live at a moment in history where most people do very little reflexive thinking. All they do is play the reflexive tapes they have in their head. Oh, yes, that's right. I agree with that. Oh, no, that's stupid. I don't agree with that. We would even go so far as to say that being declared a smart person is almost certain to make you stupid. Because when you get called smart, you become entrenched in your comfortable past. When you're smart, you know things. And most people who know things are called experts, which means they already know things. And when you already know, by definition, you are using old mental scaffolding to consider new and different futures, which, to put it bluntly, makes you stupid. So don't strive to become an expert ever. It's the enemy of fresh thinking. My friend and mentor Bix Bixen said years ago, a conclusion is a place where you got tired thinking. So let's dig into how category designers think. Let's say you're presented with information. You become conscious of not just the information you're being presented with, but which mental model you are using to evaluate the information, which lens you are looking through. Remember, the context about the content is often more important 
than the content. The context, aka lens, is often more important than the content. And so when all of us are presented with information, a question we must ask is what lens are we looking at this information through? And then before you react, respond, or give in to your reflexive nature, you pause. And first consider which mental model you're using to examine the information being presented. Category designers train themselves to be curious and ask why, sometimes as many as five to seven times. You know, as a side note, I'm very, very curious why people don't ask why. I find myself in meetings all the time when somebody says, I think, I say, why? And I don't mean it to be aggressive at all. I want to understand more deeply. And interestingly enough, what you'll discover is smart people can answer why multiple times. That is to say, really unpack something for you. People who are just using reflexive thinking, as opposed to somebody who's really thought about something in a reflective way, often cannot answer more than one or two whys at best. So be curious, ask why five to seven times, and be willing to suspend your past opinions, beliefs, and mental models. Recently, I was in a meeting with somebody who I'd been in meetings with in the past, and I had developed an opinion of this person that said that they were kind of, kind of stupid. And I discounted most of what this person said. And uh, two days ago, I was in a meeting with this person, a Zoom, and this person said something really smart, something that we needed to center on and get focused about. And so even in a situation like that, where you have recently developed an opinion, which you recently began to harden, oh, that person's fucking stupid. Be willing and able to hear them if and when they actually say something smart. Open the aperture of your mind and consider something different. That's thinking. Our friend, the legendary uh, venture capitalist at Floodgate, Mike Maples Jr., who incidentally was recently on Follow Your Different, episode 287, one of the most legendary minds in Silicon Valley. Mike calls this backcasting, and I quote, legendary builders must stand in the future and pull the present from the current reality into the future of their design. So an important additional job of the builder is to persuade early like-minded people to join a new movement, end quote. So this is a powerful idea. We've all heard of forecasting, which is standing in the present, taking data from the past and projecting it into the future. What Mike's talking about here with backcasting is imagine it's five years from now, three years from now, 10 years from now. You're already in the future that you imagine, the new and different future that you're designing. It's already happened. And you look back on it and you pull the present to that future. It's a radically different perspective. So how do you give people context that excites them enough to meet you in that future and to join that new movement? You give them what we call in category design a new point of view that they can grab onto and repeat to their friends 
who will tell their friends, and so on and so on. Here are a few powerful examples. Reproductive justice. Well, that is a new frame, a new lens on abortion. You may agree with it, you may disagree with it, but reproductive justice reframes the conversation around pro-life and pro-choice. Equal pay for equal work. Those simple words changed laws, enabling women to get paid the same amount for the same amount of work. You see, in the 60s, by law, men were paid more than women because the thinking at that time was men had a family to provide for. Women did not. Women were only going to be in the workforce for a short period of time and until they got married and had children. And so they literally got paid by law less than men. Minimum wage for women was less than it was for men. And then the uh, women's rights movement started and the mantra, the point of view, equal pay for equal work changed everything. Another example of how languaging and a reframe of context changes things. Some people call them immigrants. Some people call them illegals. And other call them undocumented citizens. Whichever frame, whichever lens you use, changes how you, in this case, relate to an entire group of people. One recently, as a side note, I was in an airport recently, and I, I'm always, as a category designer, we're always looking at the strategic use of language, something we call languaging, and uh, particularly language that moves thinking via a new frame, via a new lens, via a new context from an old way to a new way. Anyway, I looked up, I saw a sign that said pet relief area. <laughs> and I laughed to myself. I thought, wow, that's a very differentiated new set of languaging to say, hey, um, your dog can take a shit over here. Pet relief area. Now, as we explained in our mini book, The Power of a Point of View, the most effective POVs aim at conventional thinking and conversation in a wildly different direction. Often, it's hard for the masses to understand or accept what this new POV might mean for the world. Here's an exercise to start thinking reflectively. You have to understand which direction you're facing. Forecasting equals standing in the past, looking forward, thinking about the future. Backcasting equals standing in a different future and living as if that different future already exists today. This might seem like an inconsequential nuance, but it is the starting point that defines the entire trajectory of your company and or your career or any act of creation, whether you're building a company, creating a podcast, a painting, or any other innovative or creative act. If you start with the way the world is and then try to make the way it is different, you're making an unconscious decision to improve within the context of a game somebody else invented. You're competing. This is the mistake that most marketers, most entrepreneurs, and most executives make without even realizing they're making it. But if you start with the way it could be, if you assume the possible and stand in the future, 
you give yourself the opportunity to write new rules for the new game that you are inventing. You are unencumbered by the past and the present. You're creating. To create fresh ideas, you have to know the difference between obvious and non-obvious content. And here's why. Obvious content, the art of speaking to what people already think and believe, which caters to the reader's reflexive nature. And non-obvious content is the art of educating people on what they haven't thought about or decided they believe yet, requesting their reflective nature. It's crucial to understand which of these two consumption states you are creating for and where you are meeting the reader long before you even write a single word or begin to design your category. Because the aha here is, every radical business breakthrough, by definition, is a new category that is predicated on a non-obvious insight. And so if you take obvious communications, obvious marketing, obvious writing strategies to a radical breakthrough that is non-obvious, you will fail. Said simply, you can't describe something that is uh, in the future, something that is different with languaging from the past. Now, if you try feeding non-obvious ideas, non-obvious content that requires reflection, challenging one's own mental models to somebody who's in an obvious, that is to say reflexive state, you'll fail to get their attention and or they will likely become frustrated at your inability to cater to their perceived notions. That's somebody looking for an obvious answer to an obvious question or problem. And conversely, if you are feeding obvious content, obvious solutions, obvious ideas, obvious marketing to somebody starving for non-obvious breakthrough insights, you will burden them with boredom and or they'll likely become frustrated with you wasting their time, even insulting them. This is so obvious. Make me think. Reflexive thinkers want obvious content to obvious problems, obvious solutions. Reflective thinkers want non-obvious solutions to non-obvious problems. Becoming a reflective thinker who knows who you're creating for and what their expectations are and why is half the battle of becoming a legendary category designer. Well, I hope that gives you much to reflect upon. We would like to thank you. Thank you so much for your time and attention. It means the world to all of us here. Uh, and I need to remind you that this podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. The work that you just heard is the work of category pirates Nicholas Cole, Eddie Yoon, and myself. All rights do remain perturbed. We must warn you that this podcast was created in a studio that clearly contains nuts. And the creators of this podcast. We're absolutely consuming libations. We are produced and edited by the goat, Jason DeFilippo. And Jason has one of the hottest new podcasts. It's called Boot Up with Jason. And here's what's awesome about Boot Up with Jason. In 10 minutes, you get all the tech news that you need and a little that you don't. It's fantastic. Check out Boot Up with Jason wherever you get legendary oddcasts. Technical awesomeness and lockhead.com are built by Jamie J and Sarah Knox. Show motes, show motes, show motes. <laughs> you got to build a moat for your show, podcasters. Show moats by GM Simon. Uh, Cedric Beros does our graphic and web design. And the Bobus Brothers, EX and RJ, do our web development. Our law firm is Weed and Jack. 
And our accountants are three balance sheets to the wind. Don't forget to listen to uh, Blue Rodeo. Reject the premise. Don't forget to give podcasts. Podcasts make legendary gifts. They don't cost you shit, and they can make a giant difference in somebody's life. So, uh, hey, gift podcasts. Johnny Cash was right. Thank you, Candy Dandy. She keeps all the trains running on time. Love you, Mom and Dad. And the thought I'll leave you with comes from Leonard Sweet, who said, The future is not something we enter. The future is something we create.